welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. And a happy new year, should old acquaintance be for... I don't know anyone who knows those words. I don't know who old Lang Syne is. Is old Lang Syne even a person? I don't understand it. But I sang it, didn't I? Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Can you but believe it? I restarted watching Shit's Creek uh, this week. so And I realised that I already sound a little bit like Moira from Shit's Creek on occasion on the pod. So apologies in advance if that's coming out even more. Because I, I like I said, I've just restarted it. I'm not going to lie to you, for the fourth time, I'm obsessed. If you haven't seen Shit's Creek, it's on Netflix and it is comedy genius. Anyway, welcome back to a new episode. Sorry I wasn't with you last week. Do you know what? I don't think you missed me, did you? Because you were probably ever so busy. Because last Tuesday was Boxing Day and this Tuesday we're already on the bloody 2nd of Jan, aren't we? Have you started your diet yet? I'm starting mine to next week because the thing is <laughs> I don't want to but I am so rotund I have eaten so much I have drunk so much at no point well actually you know at one point I was like sloshed but only at one point and generally speaking it was a really nice slow steady slight buzz you know um but every morning I would wake up feeling a little bit meh and just bloated from the sugar in the wine, just feeling, you know, sort of tired and, and weary. And every morning I'd be like, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to. Let's have a day off, shall we? And then it got to like 2 p.m., didn't it? Well, no, on a good day it got to sort of 5 or 6 um, when the kids had their supper and we'd pour ourselves a little something fizzy. But it just that's what Christmas is for, isn't it? It's for overindulging. It's sort of every day you go, I'm just going to treat myself. Oh, it's just, you know, it's Christmas, isn't it? It's the season, so I'm just going to treat myself. But then you end up treating yourself... Hello. <laughs> Christmas. You end up treating yourself uh, so often. Speaking of um, being a slight pervert, is it just me? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just me. You know that I have a, a, a little bit of a filthy sense of humour. I find... So many sexual innuendos in the conversation of Christmas that I, I sometimes find it hard to get through a, a festive chat. First of all, there's all the obvious gags about Santa's coming, you know? Has Santa come? Santa's coming tonight. Is Santa coming in the morning? So many times. I, I think actually at one point after a few Baileys, my mum said, are you looking forward to Santa coming? And my response was, at least someone should. Because that's just the relationship that my mother and I have. My father was there at the time. He was quite disgusted. I think he vomited in his mouth a little bit. But then you've got Santa's sack. You know, is Santa's sack full? Not if you care. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to put an extra warning on this episode, aren't I? Um, then, of course, you've got the stockings, haven't you? And what is what what is a stocking if not sexual? Um, and then I suppose that's it, really. Santa's coming, Santa's sack and Santa's stocking. It's absolute filth. Do you know what? It's him. It's not me. It's him. I'm innocent. 
he, he throws it in my face, doesn't he? Um, so I hope people had a wonderful time. I hope people had a wonderful holiday. It has been wonderful for me, if not exhausting and chaotic, because, you know, I have a child, so no such thing as a day off. Um, and although it's been magical, it has been a lot. Like I say, a lot of overindulgence. I'm actually quite excited about eating and drinking less. I think I'm going to fast, just as a heads up, just to let you know where I'm at in my <laughs> dieting journey. I'm not doing dry January. I've got nothing to prove. Um, also, I have social engagements every weekend. Although I did buy some non-alcoholic beer because I actually enjoy that. And you know me, I don't drink on Mondays except bank holidays. So as I sit here now, I do have a gin and tonic. The thing is, is that you try and be healthy, but then you unwrap all your presents and, and go through everything when you get home and, and sort everything out. And all you've got is chocolate and booze. So it's like, do I just binge it all this week and then maybe start next week? I don't know. What are your thoughts? You tell me, what are your New Year's health goals? You know, where is your head at? How much weight have you put on? I went to the pub the other day and I asked for a gin and tonic and the woman behind the bar said to me, any tonic or a slimline? That was offensive. It wasn't courteous or hospitable. She simply wasn't just doing her job well. She was basically calling me a fruitcake, <laughs> a, Christmas, a Christmas pudding, a profiterole, a snowman, the Michelin man, a fat man, a fat woman, a fat lady, fat lady singing. <laughs> I've lost the plot. It's Christmas. I hope you had a wonderful time. I did miss you. And I am... Um, oh, my God, I just, I just remembered. I just remembered. How could I possibly have nearly forgotten to tell you this? I had the most wonderful experience... I've told everyone, so I might as well tell you. Christmas Eve, I was back at my parents' house, which is in Herefordshire, really in the arse end of nowhere. And we, my whole family, and we all went to um, some old, old family friends for Christmas Eve drinks. And it was lovely, it was festive. We were in their kitchen, there's probably about 30 people, all pretty local, but I didn't know everyone there. Um, and this young couple were there. And the host, who I've known all my life, walked up and I actually married her daughter a couple of years ago. And, and um, she came up to me. She was like, oh, Liv, this is um, so-and-so and so-and-so. I want to say Alison Giles. I might have made that up. I think it is. If, I, if it is, I'm impressed. I've impressed myself. So she was like, Liv, this is Alison Giles and they are new to the area and they are getting married next year. I was like, oh, Anna, my catnip, let's talk. So we started talking and after a few minutes, she said she went, I was stood there with them and my sister-in-law, Charlotte. And after a few minutes, she this, this young woman went, I'm sorry, are you Olivia Coleman? Oh, uh, my lordy. <laughs> you can only imagine. I literally died. I was like, stop yourself. Am I, is this, is this happening? Am I, am I being noticed? Am I, is this a thing? Charlotte, my sister-in-law, was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Never going to live this one down, are we? I was like, where's my husband? Where's my mum? Where's my dad? Where's my child? Everyone needs to hear this moment in, in my life. I have been spotted. And it was so funny. It was weird, but it was so funny. And this gorgeous young girl was like, oh, we inquired with you. 
um, months, months ago and you emailed straight back and you're, you're booked. And so we're gutted because we found you on Instagram and we're obsessed with you. And we listened to all your stories and we love you and we wanted you so badly, but you were booked. So now we're having a registrar because we were like, if a living home, common can't do it, what's the point? Amen, sister. And it was so funny and we had such a nice chat. And she was like, every time she laughed at me, she was like, why can't you do it? I was like, I know, let's just sack off the other couple. Let's just sack them off. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying <laughs> if I'm marrying you in May, I apologise. But isn't that funny? I literally told everyone. I told my three-year-old child every day over Christmas. My seven-year-old nephew, I was like, do you remember what happened on Christmas Eve? He was like, yes, shut up. Seven-year-olds had such an attitude. Anyway, that was, the, I'm not going to lie to you, that was the highlight of my Christmas, being spotted in the arse end of nowhere. Um, it was wonderful. It was all wonderful. It was all lovely. But back to business because now is booking season and everyone is just going mental with sorting out their weddings for this year. And bookings for me for celebrancy is just, is pretty, we're pretty fully booked, to be honest, for 2024. But there is still space. Um, but I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to rehash an old episode and talk in more detail about exactly what it is I do as a celebrant and other bits and pieces I do for weddings um, in a couple of weeks time because the next, this episode and next week's episode is an interview with an industry expert with my dear friend, Aaron, who is a live illustrator. He is wonderful. He is so talented and so lovely I've done a few weddings with him and we've got a two-parter interview with him because we just had such a nice chat. I don't want to cut it down for you. So this is the first part of my interview with Aaron. I hope you love it. All of his social media and information and stuff will be in the bio of the episode. But if you've got any questions for him, then get in touch or, or come through me. That's fine. He's wonderful. I hope you enjoy it. Happy New Year. Love you. Loving you, loving me, loving the journey. I'll catch you all next week. So Aaron Jacob Jones, do you go Hello. by your full three names, Aaron Jacob Jones? Well, it's because Jones is such a common surname. So I have to use my middle name to be findable. Aaron Jacob Jones. And do you go by Aaron Jacob Jones or are you the wedding illustrator? I am wedding illustrator Aaron Jacob Jones. Wedding illustrator <laughs> used to be enough because I was pretty much the only one. You were one. the only one. And do you know what? I'm going to start right off the bat. Every Tom, Dick and Harry are doing this at the moment. Uh -uh. And I'm like, literally every time someone pops up on my socials, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who are you? What are you doing? This There's one person that does this and it is Aaron. Well... It's fine. It's weird and it's hard to see loads of other people sort of copying exactly what I do. Obviously, I wasn't the first person ever to paint portraits at a wedding, but <clears throat> I think I was the first person to go all in on weddings. This is mm. a wedding service. I'm combining it with a portrait of the couple and I'm doing guests and I'm displaying it all together. And this is the entertainment for the day. Mm. I think I was the first person to really kind of market that for weddings, brand it as a specific wedding service and package it up in a way that worked for the timeline of a wedding and like what can realistically be achievable in art 
in like one wedding day. So what and... if you have like a tagline then, would you say that that's what you go, your wedding entertainment, you go to a wedding and you do live portraits of the guests at the wedding? So you're an artist yes. that, that presents live portraits. So, so I do live art all day and a chunk of that day is live portraits and a chunk of that day is usually, I mean, I'd say 90% of my couples do book what I call the mixed package because it's a mixture of portraits of their guests mm. and a big detailed portrait of them. So most couples do go for that because essentially you're hiring two live painters in one person because I'm doing both. And, you know, that's my speciality. And I love the sort of pressure that comes from juggling both of those things. I don't, I mean, I don't even know. I, what you do is flabbergasting to me. I think it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. So how, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been the wedding illustrator? So I made my website and everything like that. I, I properly started branding it up mm. in about 2018. Um, but I was illustrating weddings from from probably about 2014, 2015. Okay. Just going to friends' weddings and doing it and sort of just refining the service, refining the style, going to events general events i used to go to nightclubs and really? do it in there oh my god yeah. how can you how can you do a live portrait of someone pissed dancing to surely get low well it's good practice for doing an evening portrait at a wedding yeah. because that's exactly what's happening then but so I've what did you loved... do bef before that though were you, are you are you a trained are you self-taught i tra am a trained Illustrator. I did an illustration and the animation degree. Um, cool. And I've always been really passionate about drawing people. Drawing and painting people has been the backbone of my either, either my job or my kind of entire spare mm. time and social life uh, ever since, um, God, like for more than 20 years. Wow. So before I did art as a job, I was working as a designer trained mm. as an illustrator but all of my illustration and art stuff was evenings so every sort of maybe like four evenings five evenings a week I'd be out going to life drawing classes which if you don't know that's just going out and painting a model from life sometimes they're nude often they're in costume often there's a theme I mean London is amazing for having like loads of exciting life drawing classes so all of my social cool. circle all of my friends would would we'd all just meet up at life drawing classes and I'd paint and draw every single night. That's so but it cool. Wasn't I've my job. never <laughs> I've never heard of of life drawings as um as people in costume before. I always thought they were always in the Nakey. Well in the Nakey is a great way to learn to draw the body and that's why when I'm doing my um when I'm doing my live portraits, people aren't standing still, but I know how to draw a body. I can put together a figure in any position from my mind because I've painted people like so many times as models in, mm. in various poses. So that as the training in the background has made my work much stronger as um, figurative stuff. <laughs> Did you like drawing 
naked people. I'm not, I realise that you're sounding very intelligent and I sound like a child, but did you? <laughs> I did life drawing. I feel like I've spoken about life drawing on the pod before. I did life drawing as a course when I was at school when I was 16 and I just, and it was always old, ugly people and they were always fat and they were always naked. And there was one time where this woman fainted and like her legs spread as she fell backwards. Like oh I saw what she had for breakfast. That's every life model's worst nightmare. Is it? Um, do people get paid I did, enough? I for it? Do I should like look into it? I feel like this is worth it, it is an experience. And I've painted people, and especially over COVID, I've had people pose for me on Zoom who've never modeled before. Really? So they would turn up on Zoom, undress, I'd help them position the camera, and then I'd just chat to them and paint them. And it was an amazing way of like keeping a bit of socialising going. Oh my God, you're like Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic, aren't you, darling? Oh my God, that film was one of the first things that made me want to be an artist and draw people from life. Really? That was one of your first inspirations? Yeah, because he's just going around this ship by himself and he's in the corner hiding and doing these beautiful little drawings. And then he meets someone and he's using his drawing to connect with people. And that film lodged in my mind. Yeah. And I thought, if I if I can go around and just have my little sketchbook, that's me. That me on my own, just me with my little sketchbook. That's what I'm about. And I don't need other people, but when I do meet someone else who's sort of interested in me and interested in this... You can connect with people so strongly with it. It's such an intimate experience. It's a really amazing thing to sort of exchange that energy over that time when you're looking at someone and it's really intimate, really personal. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. And that's what I do with guests at a wedding. I mean, they're not nude, but (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine? If they're being, I, I can imagine. And if someone asked mm. me to come to a naturist thing and draw people, I would do beautiful nude portraits one day, one day. Why <laughs> is there something? I, there's something about you. I instantly feel like I must get naked. I feel, I feel like we should do. It's all right. <laughs> Aaron will respect power. me. I'll meet you. Um, I'll meet you on camera after this recording yeah. before you get naked, Olivia. You can give it oh to your God, hubby no. as a gift. I literally just clenched my legs together just thinking about it. Oh, no, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. But that's so funny because, do you know what, in a weird way, like you say about the idea of you just sort of in the corner and just you and your sketchbook, that's a really insular um, way of behaving and, and thing to do. And so it sort of doesn't involve any other people. But at the same time, the people are what you're drawing. So it's kind of like you're on your own. You don't need anyone. But, but you're watching from afar. Mm. I mean, when I travel, and I love travelling alone, when I travel, I'm usually sitting and painting a scene, usually painting people into the scene because people are what makes it alive. People are what mm. makes it interesting. It's it's my, you know, it's my primary passion. Mm. So it's almost like the sketchbook is my company. The sketchbook is my passion and focus, but it also draws people in. Because anyone who's interested and wants to sort of engage with that can come over and it opens up the most amazing conversations and connections Mm. and friendships. I've made lifelong friends based off art and a sort of shared interest in drawing and painting. And that's what makes it so 
powerful as a sort of force in my but life. I, I think also it's not just it's not just the people who are interested in art and who who have maybe a talent themselves, but people who don't are so they so admire what you can do. And it's mm. like, you know, when I see someone who has a skill that I don't have, I don't think, oh, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I think, oh my God, look at what they can do. That's incredible. Like watching you, we've done a few weddings together now and watching you do what you do is just like mind blowing because it's to you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you probably wouldn't say it's easy, but to you, it's a natural thing and it, it just mm. sort of happens and it, you know, whereas to me who really has only excelled in paint by numbers, and only at a children's level, um, it's sort of, it's just so wonderful to watch something that I could never do, but to you come so naturally. Yeah, people really love to to watch it and, and watch it come together. And it's one of the reasons why I paint people face to face is that they get that moment where they they step up, they start chatting to me, I give good chat. I love chatting to people. While yeah, you I do work. give good chat. And, and I, do you find that if they feel yeah. uncomfortable, because it's not a lot of people, especially British people, because I know you do a lot of abroad weddings and foreign weddings as well, but a lot of people, especially us Brits, it's not in our comfort zone. It's not our nature to stand there and be like, yeah. hi, look at me, you know, paint me like yeah. one of your French girls. So yeah. I imagine that then you get a bit of an awkward sort of, you know, so travelled far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's always a moment of awkwardness, but I like to make people feel comfortable. I like to ask quite off-the-wall questions. Yeah. Veer as quickly away from what do you do, where do you live kind of thing, and just ask random, just ask random things. What I'm trying to do is get people to open up and show me a little bit of their personality so that, so that while I'm drawing them, I can try and capture a, a bit of that, try and get that cheeky smile, just the things that people wouldn't do when they just pose for a photo and go cheese I I don't want to do that I want to give them that moment that experience where they're posing they're talking about themselves the time is like they don't notice the time passing and then when I say okay are you ready to see your painting now they say well oh it's already done how did you do that so quickly because I've filled the time with just a natural flow well, it's an experience. It's not just like you say. It's not just people don't go and stand there and you paint them and they leave. It's you. Yeah, yeah. you you create an experience, which is why I suppose it does make sense that you would refer to yourself as wedding entertainment. But I have said this before, and I'll say it again. I do not like forced entertainment at weddings. However, <laughs> I have also said on my, I have said publicly, and I've said on my Instagram. I think you saw it. If I have if I have to have forced entertainment at wedding, that Aaron Jacob Jones is the only entertainment that I would have because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel awkward. It's different, even though every Tom, Dick and Harry are trying to do it nowadays. It's still quite different. It's still quite unique. Whereas, you know, OK, fine. I love a magician, but come on. And I just it's you know, I just got no time for it. Whereas you all well, entertainment, <laughs> I, I it's very classy. You're a classy wedding entertainer, aren't you, darling? <laughs> I don't think I would ever have called myself classy before doing this as a job. 
and doing so many luxury weddings. And now I suppose I, I'm, I'm forced to call it classy. It is but, classy. So when you started well, you. in, when you started the business and you went for it, how did you make that transition from doing bits and pieces here and there to, to making it your full-time job? How talk, talk me through that beginning stage of the wedding illustrator. So I had a good day job working in design. It was all fine. It was all good. But I was so bored. Mm. I, I, just, I just wanted more out of life. But I live in London. Obviously, as you know, London is a very expensive city. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to quit a good job where you're paying a mortgage. Mm. And you just, I had a, I had a need to just have the security. And I, I wasn't ready to take that plunge. No. So I was doing all this stuff in my spare time on top of my day job, basically working every single day every single evening, every single evening, weekend, I was building up this business, putting together wow. my marketing, putting together my site, mm. looking for little bits and pieces of work, doing commissions, and then all day doing my day job design. And it just got to a point where I thought, okay, I'm confident that I'm good enough now. I'm ready to quit the day job. Um, uh, you know, I think I can make it work now. I think this is the time. And I wanted to do it before I turned 40. Mm. And then COVID came along. Bastard COVID. So I'd essentially sort of half quit the day job. I'd gone down to part time mm -hmm. and said, OK, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm starting to ramp it down. COVID came along. So all of the bookings that I had in the diary, obviously, as you know, everything had to be pushed back, shuffled mm. around, panic, panic. Mm. I still had enough day job stuff to keep me afloat. And I started doing all these Zoom gigs where I was painting people at parties on Zoom, all of that. And after getting over that? the sort of... Can I just pause you for a second? How yeah. how was that painting people on a screen? That was actually amazing because that that helped me figure out doing stuff on mass. Because yeah. some of these Zoom parties would have fifty people all on one call, and the brief was to paint everybody. And obviously, they're not at a wedding. I'm not getting the yeah. head to toe all dressed up. I'm just getting their faces. So I was sketching and painting all these faces as fast as I could. And I was able to take screenshots because sometimes they'd say, well, we want all of them done. I know you can't do them in the hour long party mm. time, but, you know, just take screenshots and do them afterwards. And then I'd pop them all in the post, sending them all over the world. Like a lot were in America. I'd be staying up all night and doing them at, four oh in the God. morning to coincide with some other time zone um just That's locking amazing. myself in my studio and just doing it but yeah it, it helped me do stuff on mass develop my style for like just a face portrait mm -hmm. and just yeah it kept me afloat during covid doing those so i loved it and i was also doing a lot of teaching i was painting um 
watercolor leading classes, sharing my watercolor techniques. And I think all the Zoom stuff as well helped me learn to talk while I work mm. because I'd not made a huge effort to do that before. I found it much harder. Well, it's multitasking and Zoom, we all know that men struggle with that, darling, don't we? So that's quite... <laughs> But that is actually quite hard for anyone to be doing something that requires yeah. so much concentration whilst also having a conversation. It's difficult. Yeah. But when, you, when you're on Zoom, if you don't talk, you know, if you're both just sitting there in silence and the other person is posing, That's it's porn. much more awkward <laughs> than if they're standing in front of you and you've just yeah. got that natural shared space. Yeah. So I just started to chat um while I was working, painting them, while I was teaching. And I came out of COVID fully able to. In fact, it feels unnatural now to work when I'm not talking. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Um, and so you went, so after COVID, after things started to lift and weddings started to come back, I imagine you, like the rest of us in the industry, you were suddenly slammed. Yes. Summer 2021 was very hectic mm. not as hectic as summer 2022 i still think there needs to be some kind of a little badge or something that yeah. has suppliers <laughs> i got through summer 2022 yeah. Yeah. because i think in 2022 i did 125 weddings jeez and i, um, I don't imagine wedding, was that all throughout the events. year or was that only in wedding season it was mostly in wedding season. Mm. It was mostly, yeah, I, I think between sort of March and December. Jeez, that's a lot. But it, I didn't do anything else that year. I didn't see my family, really. Mm. I didn't, the only holidays I took were if I had a destination wedding, I might have had two days before or after. yeah to look around like I'd book an extra day um it, it I dedicated that whole year to my business and to my craft mm. to doing as much as I could to speeding up my process nailing down the sort of the way it worked in the day just doing it so much that everything was completely natural everything I knew how to make anything work in any situation, anything that went wrong, went wrong that year. And I figured mm. out how to fix it and did and a better job this year. <laughs> well, you, well, that's it, isn't it? It's learning it. And also what strikes me as you're, as you're talking about how you began and doing it all is um, that you seem to have never been complacent and you're constantly honing your craft and constantly practising and perfecting and trying different classes and teaching different methods and all this stuff. Um, when you when you do all the weddings, when you do all the season and you do all the work, do you have to, do you do all the admin yourself? Do you have someone that works with you or do you, because quite often I think in weddings, especially with us creatives, which is a word I absolutely hate, but whatever, um, us creative people, sometimes not very good at the old admin. Yes, I am terrible at admin. I'm not afraid to admit it <laughs> because I, I, it's not my strength. Um, I have undiagnosed ADHD, which I 
haven't talked about that much because I think there's a little bit of an imposter complex when it's undiagnosed. But also anyone who does have ADHD understands that when you look at the process of getting a diagnosis, it's basically the most complicated and intimidating thing for someone who does have those. Mm. Yeah, it's it's something I'm going to pursue at some stage. But it has made my life very, very hard in terms of admin, in terms of remembering things, in terms of any kind of consistency with anything. There's huge peaks of excitement. There's big troughs of out of sight, out of mind. Mm. So I'll be really excited about something one day and then I'll completely forget about it because it's not right there in front of me and nobody's mm. reminded me. And then I'll be doing something else and doing three other things at the same time and then another little side project on the back burner. But it's basically just pursuing interests very, very hard. And the one thing I have always been consistently passionate about and interested in and never stopped pursuing is art, is painting, is drawing, is making the best work, the absolute most beautiful, high quality work, making it as fast as I can in live situations. That's the one thing I've Mm. just absolutely had my foot on the gas 24-7 seven days a week, never stop thinking about it, never stop practicing. But that does not leave a lot of time for admin, organisation, <laughs> emails, That's... remembering little tasks. So, yeah. Which you my... do, I mean, because you're running a business, you're running a successful yeah. business. So actually, yeah. it's all very well having the talent and the passion and the drive for the, for the, metaphorically speaking the art but also the actual physical art um but also you you have to run a business as well and hearing you speaking about the ADHD what I find interesting about that in a similar vein to myself there's only there's only us right so if you have a if you're feeling a bit blue or you're poorly or whatever you can most people can call into the office and say can't come to work today I'm having a shit day whatever we can't do that you know my friends have said to me in the past well what what are you going to do if you're poorly or what are you going to do if you're miserable I mean I you know sometimes I I I mean in full honesty I'll go to a wedding and I might have had a fight with my husband or I might my daughter might not be very well or I might just be feeling a bit low and then I've got to go and I've got to perform and be happy and cheery and smiley and all the rest of it and you're the same way if someone's booked you for a wedding you can't, no one else can do what you do. And you're yeah. a, a good person who appreciates what you do and the opportunities you get. So you're, I know that you're not the kind of person to just sack someone off because I know that you understand the importance <laughs> of what you do. So that, yeah. how do you manage that with that extra pressure, knowing that you can't, with the admin and with the timetables and the schedules and the bookings and blah, 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 it, it can get so much and there's no one that you can go to for help sometimes? Well, I am very, very lucky. My partner, Jess, is Mm. one of the most organised and consistent people I have ever met. Well done, Jess. Well done, Jess. (laughs) Well done, Jess. I could not run my business without Jess. Mm. So she already has a couple of jobs. She's working 
for a big insurance company. She's very clever um, risk maths person. Oh, yeah. She yeah. also is training to be a therapist. Oh, wow. Um, oh, that's cool. It is really cool. She's amazing. Um, and she also works for me. So she has about one day a week spread out throughout the week to do mm. things for me. And she uses that to, she answers my emails, most of my emails, um, unless they need some kind of specific art mm -hmm. and logistics input. And then mm -hmm. she will basically sit me down in front of the email and make me answer it live. Yeah. And she creates a spreadsheet for me. So my schedule is... It scares people, but sometimes I send someone a screenshot of my calendar and I'm like, look, I'm sorry, this month. And usually, usually that'll be the summer, but basically every single day there's some bright pink event slashed mm. across it. There's flights, there's various sort of hotels and it's a movements. Lot. And it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot because I've been doing over the summer between three and six weddings a week that is so um, much they're all over the country well they're all over europe and mm. there's a lot of travel it's so much so she makes me a spreadsheet where instead of just a calendar i have a spreadsheet i have the items i'm gonna need for whatever package i'm delivering for that couple i have where i'm staying that night i have the address of the venue i have anything that the couple have sort of specifically asked oh for God, or where the, where the communication is she, she just puts it all together and she Jess. says the drive will be this long so i know then I'm, okay i have to get up at this time you know like she's worked wow. everything up for me so all of that mental load and all of those logistics that she lifts that load off you yeah and and I, and I couldn't I, I don't know how I ever did anything in 2021 without her doing Aww. that for me it, it, it's the only thing that makes it possible to deliver so many weddings at such high qualities because I don't have to figure out all that other stuff myself. You can focus on your craft and what and the service that you're delivering and what the bit yes. that you're passionate about. Yes, exactly. And not get so bogged she down. really helps. And there's also, I mean, there's so much other stuff that she doesn't have time for. And also, mm. frankly, you know, it's it's um, she's too good to sort of do that stuff but things like i i take so many photos and videos each wedding i don't have time to go through all those photos and videos yeah in order to sort of you know i'd like to send every couple a batch of photos and videos that i took of their guests enjoying the portraits but mm. when i have another wedding the next day mm. that's not that's not something i'm i'm going to be able to come back to because i'll have four weddings in a row and then the next day I'll just sleep. I, I'm not going to go trawling through my camera roll again. It's a sort of thing where it's not immediate and urgent and very interesting to then you me. you won't do it. So yeah. I don't do it. So mm. I'm in the process of trying to hire a virtual assistant who can sort of take all of the pictures and videos from every week, every time I do a wedding, file them away, organise them, mm. send them out to couples. It, it's just that sort of thing. I, there's so much that I want automated that if I were a more organised and consistent person, and, you know, maybe if I were doing fewer weddings, but if I did fewer weddings, I'd have to charge more. 
See, that's... I don't want to. I don't want to raise my prices so high that your average couple yes. can't afford me. I, I want to work for people who are passionate about what I do and who really, really love it. Not just like the richest, most luxury yeah. people who can afford to drop five grand on paintings. See, that's interesting to me. I had a conversation recently at a wedding with a photographer and a videographer. I won't name names. And we were talking about our prices and they were saying that they up their prices. One of them ups their prices with every 10 weddings and the other one ups their prices completely dependent on the type of wedding and the type of clientele. And someone has said that to me before. They've said you should charge more when you know that the couple have more. That goes against everything I believe in. Everything I believe in. Yeah. Me I too. I, just Me because too. you've got, I mean, it also helps that I'm incredibly cheap. Like, as in not like cheap to hire, as in like, I don't like to spend money. Like, <laughs> I literally like, <laughs> I, go, I go on Zara when I'm bored or hungover and I spend 200 quid and then I return 190 of it. So it does help that I am terrible at spending money and I'm super, super thrifty. But to me, I don't, in a similar vein, I don't want to only do weddings for rich people. Um, and I don't want to only do weddings where there's a certain type of expectation. It's to me, it's not about how much money you have. It's do you, is the ceremony important to you? So to you, I can imagine in the same vein, it, why would I up my price so that only certain types of people can afford me when everyone should be able to afford you? And you're an artist. So you surely you would probably appreciate that everyone should be able to enjoy art and be, have art be accessible to them. I think it's an amazing thing that people prioritise art, mm. uh, specifically my art, that they prioritise it to the extent where they'll spend the money that, that I cost. And I'm always, I, all, I never take that for granted. I'm always so grateful because it's not a wedding essential. I mean... no. In 2023, it is having a moment and a lot of people want it. But ultimately, if people are cutting their budgets, live art as entertainment is something that can very easily yeah. be cut. Nobody <laughs> would ever a know the difference. <laughs> yeah, you it can't is be a like, luxury. I'm not feeding you um, a main course, but I've got a wonderful live artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, that some of the weddings that I've been most grateful and that I've sensed the most warm, appreciative energy from the couple are ones where I know they've had to make sacrifices to yeah. have me there. Yeah. And no one's because ever it's sacrificed the main them. course. Yeah. No one's ever no one's ever made their guests go without food. But I've had people go without cake. They've not had a cake because really? they've had me and Darling, I would choose yeah, you no over a cake. I would choose you over Definitely choose well, your good, cake. Thank you. Because frankly, yeah. I think a live painting reveal should be the new cake cutting. You have a cake cutting, like, oh, let's all gather around to watch these people, yes. like, put a knife in a cake that we've all seen because it's been sitting there all day. Oh, look, they can cut what? things. Well have done. Have a painting reveal. Nobody knows what the painting looks like. It's an emotional moment. This is like an incredible thing that the couple have been excited about and they don't know what it looks like and I'm going to turn it round and show them and they're probably going to cry. If and... they don't cry, they're dead inside. The first wedding that <laughs> I met you at, you were in the corner 
and you were painting the backdrop of the house. Do you remember behind the, yeah. the willow tree or whatever it was where we yeah. had the ceremony? And I hadn't heard of you before then. And I I knew you were going to be there because I was coordinating as well, but I hadn't heard of you. And I was like, oh, what's he doing over there? What's this, what's this lone wolf doing with this strange guest? And then I came over and realized what you were doing. And it was so different and it was so lovely and organic. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that is so cool. And I've been in, I've been in the wedding industry for 10 years. I've seen a lot of shit and I've, I, it was just so brilliant and so lovely. And it's also the kind of wedding favor that people want to keep. Like no one wants to keep your biscuits or your homemade gin, Carol. No one cares. <laughs> no one wants a fridge magnet a with your date with on. <laughs> with calling the portraits wedding favors. It always makes Gifts. me a little bit like, yeah, what oh, do you call them? Up, you to clarify, unless you're having a micro wedding, not everyone is going to get one. I mean, no. if you have a massive budget and you can afford to commission them all after the wedding, great. Um, but yeah, wedding favours is uh, a dangerous A memento? Term. A memento, yeah. Wedding entertainment, where a lot of people will get to take it home. <laughs> It's not as catchy as wedding favours. Yeah, it doesn't. Couldn't put it on a tagline, could you? Hashtag. <laughs> so when you, so talk me through, I'm interested by your process on the day then. So people book you, you turn up, what time you do what? Talk me through like the average wedding day for Aaron Jacob Jones. <coughs> so the average booking is my mixed package with the portrait of the couple and as many guests as I can fit in. in as there, There's a sort of 10-hour window. Whoa, usually, that's a long time. Yeah. One of, one of the good things about ADHD is it gives me hyper-focus mm. and a lot of energy because I'm interested in painting. Mm. And the, lo- the longest I've ever painted for, I think it's like 14 hours non Without a break? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll have a 15-minute break to wolf some food down, but I can't yeah, wait but... 14 hours non-stop. That's not a problem. No! I come from... Uh, I, I mean, I come from a family where my, my brothers run ultra-marathons and will just sort of do a triathlon for fun because someone Tuesday. dropped out on the morning. Yeah, no. exactly. And we all have a lot of endurance, and I see this as my endurance sport, basically. That's mental. Well, that is, it is like an endurance sport, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, endurance painting. And I stand and I'm giving a lot of energy of myself as well because I'm not sitting at a table copying photos of every guest. I'm interacting with them and running around sort of just doing everything at once. But that suits me. And I can do that several days in a row for 10 hours. And, I, you know, I do have to sleep for that's a whole day mental. afterwards. But that's <laughs> what shoes do that's you wear just... Birkenstocks Crocs no I've got this really comfortable pair of they're pink I love these pink shoes I get oh them yes from a you do wear Pepe, pink shoes Pepe shoes in Poland and they're really comfortable love it plug so, maybe you'll get a yeah, free Pepe the average now day. <laughs> <laughs> so the average booking about an hour and a half before the ceremony or an hour, depending on how much. If they've only got really simple florals and there's not much going on, maybe an hour. But usually an hour and a half. I'll mm-hmm. start painting the background. I'll put in the florals. Whatever is in the background, if they've asked for the venue in the background, if they've asked for 
a landscape, whatever it is. And I'm usually pulling together a bunch of stuff that I feel makes it iconic of that place. Yeah. So it might be that the ceremony was... Um, so there's this venue called Elmore Court. I love it. I and go there the all the actual, time. Love that venue, yeah. yeah. So the actual ceremony, when I last worked there, the ceremony was held in one part of the room and then mm. over on the other side of the room, there's these beautiful windows. Yes. And I think those windows make it a very iconic thing of that room, of that place. So I sort of changed the architecture around a bit in my painting so that the windows were in the painting. Oh, that's Not interesting. Big... Yeah, because I, I'm a trained illustrator. I can sort of move things and change things and reinvent things. So it might not be how it exactly was on the day, but it will be the bits that you want to remember, the emotional bits, the beautiful bits, the things that just make it that place. Have yeah. you been to the Asylum Chapel in London? No, I would love to go. I've seen it. I know exactly where, where you're talking yeah. about, but I've not been myself. So, so I did the same thing with a painting there. You've got these gorgeous windows that are on the side of the room. Mm. And I sort of warped the architecture so that they were actually in the painting while keeping the couple big enough that you could see everything, all the details of Gosh, their faces, of her flowers, all of that. But I, I just try to reinvent the scene in a way that makes it iconic and emotional. Every bit of my work I'm aiming for emotional impact because mm. I think that's what a wedding is all about. And that's the point of live art at a wedding is emotional impact. So... I start all of that and then along come the couple, along comes the celebrant, hopefully, because Hope. I do uh, get quite annoyed by registrars. The other day, a registrar tried to kick me out <laughs> Here of we the go. room. <laughs> Here they we did go. what? The registrar tried to kick me out of the room. So Why? I'm Were, you spouting the religion? Were you spouting religious talk or something? What oh, are you yeah, doing? absolutely. I'm known for it. No, I was painting the background. She was there. She wanted to interview the groom. This is a huge room and I'm right at the back. She says, well, you'll have to leave now because I've got to interview the groom. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm doing my job. I need to be in this room to paint this room, to capture all this stuff. I'm not moving my entire setup out of the room where all the guests are crowded around. There's not even space for me out of there. Good for you. I'm going to stay here. Mm -mm. I, I, I can put headphones in. I'm not trying to listen to your interview with the group. Like, you officious. Like, <laughs> it's, honestly, I was, I, I just said no. Good. I'm, I'm glad moving. you did. But I, as you say that, the last wedding we did together, I remember you were stood, you'd put your easel, like, literally right <laughs> in the centre of the aisle where I should be standing. And I was like, all right, babe. And you were like, yeah, am I good to you? I was like, yeah, do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying to you, if you want me to move, like, I'll move. Like, it, I, it's yeah. not about me as a celebrant. I'll go to the side. And you're like, oh, no, it's all right. I'll move. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a really lovely little message just before Christmas from a fellow wedding industry supplier called That Prop Guy. It's probably not the name he was christened with, but... It's one he's going for at the moment. And he sent me a DM on Instagram and he said, Hey, hope you're well. Found you by accident on Spotify and started listening to the podcast. Hilarious. Big fan. Have a great Christmas. Isn't that sweet? And he even um, put it on his Instagram page, like a link to the podcast, which I thought was very kind. 
So then I did some Instagram stalking. And basically that prop guy is based Midlands way. He is a a winner of the Wedding Industry Awards 2023-2024. Uh, he's also won awards with Pitched. So I feel like he's quite a big deal. How cool is that? And he has got this team of really fun, energetic, like serious party vibe people that work for him. Essentially, they're photo booths, right? And it's just like a table of props. But their whole sort of niche is that they just get the party started and they're just really like laid back and they're fun. And they make the whole experience a lot more enjoyable and interactive than just like a box with a a, a digital camera attached. Because when I started in the wedding industry years and years ago, I'm not going to lie to you, I was pretty against photo booths. Like it it was because then it was just like um, one of those things you get in Tesco's where you get your passport photo done with like some really bad fake flowers on the outside. But they are becoming a lot cooler. And this guy seems very cool. So check him out. He's called That Prop Guy Limited and he's on Instagram. And I think that some kind of like some kind of photo booth with this kind of vibe, like really cool guys that kind of get involved with your guests and it's really interactive, and really fun. I think that is a really fun addition to your wedding. And it means that you get all the you get all these cool photos afterwards, but also so do your guests. So check him out. That Prop Guy Limited. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you find this podcast even remotely helpful or moderately entertaining, share with all your friends and family. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.